and salutations, sports and wrestling fans all across the wide and wonderful internet. Yes, it is good to be back. Hope everyone had a glorious Thanksgiving break. We are back here with Modern Day Gladiators on the Outlander Media Network. I am always the ace of Tennessee sports podcasting, Mr. Michael Shibley. Man, it has been a wild weekend of sports. As always, Rivalry Week was just glorious As always, we've got loads of other sports to talk about, including, of course, we've got soccer, we've got some tennis news, everything going on in the world of professional wrestling, and more as we are inching and inching closer to finding out who is actually going to be in the college football playoff. As everything in the regular season has worked out, so much of it, we're into the postseason. Can't wait. Come along for the ride with me. And, of course, we start with college football rivalry week was again the usual gloriousness that it has always been my goodness you had of course starting out shoot we started out on thanksgiving uh uh, with the egg bowl for crying out loud what a amazing and weird game that the egg bowl was teams just fighting mississippi state fighting to become bowl eligible Ole miss of course fighting to keep Mississippi State from getting to a bowl, so both teams a lot to play for, goes down to the end. My goodness, Ole Miss gets a a fourth and forever and is going with it and all this other stuff, but then at the end they get a touchdown and just an extra point to tie the game, but Ole Miss receiver Elijah Moore does the old dog pee celebration where he lifts his leg and looks like he's peeing like a dog, pretty much, and in front of the referee, immediately gets flagged for it. They move the extra point back 15 yards, and then the Ole Miss kicker misses the extra point, and Mississippi State ends up winning the game by one. That's part of the reason Matt Luke loses his job, just got fired a couple of days ago. We'll talk about that a little bit more here in a bit, but that's how Rivalry Week started. You had fights with Georgia-Georgia Tech that could have impact going into the SEC championship game. Of course, the first big game you had was the game between Ohio State and Michigan as Ohio State blows out Michigan again in the big house, 56-27. Harbaugh is now 0-5 for against Ohio State. He got really testy with uh, one of the reporters who was asking him, talking about the talent gap, and he was like, don't insult everything. It's like, dude, that's not an insult at all. You're 0-5 for against Ohio State, struggling to beat you know, top opponents and ranked opponents and everything. Ohio State is way up here when it comes to a lot of that stuff. Of course, a lot of the big things coming into this too is that what's going to happen with Jim Harbaugh? What should they do with Jim Harbaugh? And some of the things that have been pointed out and things, yes, again, I'm not the biggest fan of Jim Harbaugh. And of course, Trey Pack, my uh, cohort, we're going to have him on later this week when we break down everything that happens in more depth in the world of college football. But look, Michigan, the last outright title they won for a national title was 1948. Remember, in 1997, they shared it with Nebraska. So just remember those things. They haven't won a Big Ten title in 15 years. And the last time any Michigan coach beat Ohio State, Luke Fickle was the head coach. That was that one year where he was in because Jim Trestle got fired and all of that. So keep all of that in mind when you talk about who is Michigan going to be able to go out there and get right now that they think is going to be better than what Jim Harbaugh 
is able to do. And yes, you are struggling to beat Penn State on a regular basis, and you got blown out by Wisconsin, but you're getting dominated by Ohio State. But everybody's getting blown out by Ohio State for the most part. Yeah, Purdue and some of these other teams have snuck up and beat them in Iowa and and things like that, but it's not a regular thing. So, and Ohio State is just having a phenomenal season with Ryan Day as their first-year head coach. Of course, a lot of these are Urban Meyer guys and all of that, but yes, it's frustrating that he has not beaten the Buckeyes, and I know Michigan fans are just exhausted about it, but nobody's beating Ohio State regularly right now. So we'll have to see where all that shakes out, and of course Trey and I are going to dive into more of this on the college football preview show as we preview championship week and of course talk about the beloved Vols and how they ended their season. But of course we also have to talk here about the Iron Bowl as Auburn defeats Alabama, knocking Alabama out of the college football playoff talk to this point, it's done. There's no way, unless something really weird happens, and I can't even think of a possible scenario, and I'm a very smart guy, and I don't see any scenario that Alabama's going to be able to get into the college football playoff now. So they are done. It's the first year we've had the college football playoff, and Alabama is not going to be involved in it. But Auburn, again, winning the Iron Bowl at home, 48-45. to Alabama, yes, there were some instances with the clock you talk about at halftime where they were able to get one second back on the clock, and then somehow they were able to snap it and get the field goal off. Saban was not happy about that. And again, that's one of those weird things where you look at how you are... The only reason Auburn was able to get the field goal unit even on the field was because there was a stoppage in play to put that one second back on the clock. So that's just a weird thought of how that all shapes up. They're probably going to look at something like that. And as a Tennessee fan, trust me, I know issues with clocks and penalties at end of game, mostly going back to the Derek Dooley era. So I'm very familiar with that. But Alabama had 13 penalties in this game. So just keep that in mind. Again, Tua did not play. They had Mac Jones and he threw two pick sixes. He had four touchdown or six touchdown passes total in the game. Two of them went to the other team on pick sixes where you've got to think two pick sixes and Alabama was still in this game to the very end. Of course, then their kicker (laughs) misses the field goal that would have tied it. What is it with Alabama and kickers? It's just, it's got to just be bad juju because, I mean, these are highly rated kickers coming out of high school for the most part for Alabama. So it's not like they're getting just a guy off the street, but they've just run into these issues for so long. It's, I think it's just, they're so great with everything else and won all these national championships that there's just some bad juju there somewhere. But then... Auburn, trying to run out the clock, doesn't get the first down. It's fourth and four, but Auburn pulls something great where they still keep Bo Nix under center and have the punter run out wide. So Alabama, who's out of timeouts at this point, kind of panics, and they run an extra defender on because Waddle is all the way back ready to recover and you know receive the punt. So it's one of these interesting things where Alabama just didn't think to just keep their base defensive 
on and something. So what ends up getting happened is you have the substitution infraction, which was five yards, which gave Auburn a first down, and then Auburn was able to take the knees and run out the clock. So again, what an amazing iron ball. I was, of course, watching the Tennessee Vanderbilt game for most of it, but I had uh, CBS Sports. I was streaming uh, the... Iron Bowl on my computer, so I was able to keep an eye on both games going on. My goodness, just craziness. One of the best Iron Bowls I've ever seen. Just offense galore. Shook Jordan and Bear Bryant both have to be rolling over in their graves wondering what happened to their beloved Iron Bowl at this point. So again, crazy rivalry week. Then, of course, you have Tennessee and Vanderbilt. Tennessee beating Vanderbilt for the first time in three years. Uh, The last time, again, I've talked about this before, that they had lost to Vanderbilt three times in a row. Calvin Coolidge was president, and there was only 46 states. So it had been a while. Tennessee getting the win. Really, the seniors weren't the big step up in this one. It was actually the true freshman, Eric Gray, 246 yards of offense. Took the offense a while to get going, but he had 246 rushing yards and three touchdowns, including in the first half, he had one of 56 yards and then 94 yards. The only longer touchdown run in Tennessee history was Kelsey Finch going 99 yards against Florida in 1979, and you can't go any longer than that. So, my goodness, I hope, again, it's taken Eric Gray pretty much all season to get going, and again, with the injury to Ty Chandler, Eric Gray certainly stepped up. It's going to be very interesting to see. Hopefully, again, this is just a uh, preview of things to come with Eric Gray for the next few years as he is still a member of the Big Orange. And of course, the big issue also that seems to be coming out at the end of this game was Juwan Jennings uh, on a punt return, tackles a Vanderbilt punter, drives him out of bounds, and then is on top of him talking trash and just taking out frustrations, whatever he had there. But then, of course, the Vanderbilt players come over. This is on the Tennessee bench. And again, we weren't able to hear the audio because there'd been weather in the area. The game had been delayed, I think, for over an hour um, combined with weather delays. But there were some audio issues or something. And then what ends up happening is Juwan Jennings is getting up and going away. He steps on the Vanderbilt player's head. Of course, people from all other parts of the SEC are claiming that he did it on purpose. He's a thug, what have you. I've looked at the video. And yes... I know I'm a Tennessee fan. We know this. This has been established. So you can come at me on Twitter all day, Michael underscore Shibley, or on the Modern Day Gladiators Facebook and Instagram pages. Just look them up. Give us a like and a subscribe while you're doing it, because I would love to have you there as well. But I don't think it was intentional. He's looking the other way in the video. He's getting up. He's standing up and just happens to do it. It wasn't a malicious stomp or anything like that. Again, if this was a court of law, yes, I know I'm not a lawyer. I have friends who are. Maybe if one of them want to come and help with this on anything, from what I see, I don't see intent there. So we'll see. Nothing, at least as I'm recording this, has come out with uh, from the league office or anything. We'll see where it all goes from there going into Tennessee's bowl game. I don't think anything's going to come of it because, again, I just I don't think it was intentional. So there you have that's my two cents on it. But the big issue, of course, Tennessee beating Vandy 28 to 10, Tennessee winning their last five games. 
winning six of their last seven to finish the season seven and five after that dreadful, of course, 0 and two start and then one and four. My goodness. I mean, we had talked about this. If you follow this show through the entire football season, we're talking about what had happened. I mean, what did I what did I call the first two episodes coming out of the loss to Georgia State and BYU? Worst loss ever and hello darkness, my old friend. I mean, I was it was Wow, that was awful. So you look at this and show that Tennessee was able, what a great turnaround. Yes, and they took advantage of a very weak bottom of the SEC. But Tennessee still finishing third in the East on a five-game winning streak. And now it looks like Tennessee's probably going to go, looks like the Gator Bowl, maybe the Outback Bowl. We'll have to see where Championship Week shakes everything out. But it looks good for Tennessee to get into a really good bowl game especially after the way this season started. So hats off to my Vols. A great job. So excited for them. Just feeling good again for this whole senior class and everything these these young men have been through. It's been amazing. And again, we'll talk even more historical about what this means in terms of other, what it means going forward. And of course, some of the teams you look at where Tennessee, and we can go into more detail, we're going to go into more detail on this on the Friday show, but we talk about like the 89 team rallying back from what happened in 1988 when Tennessee started the season 0-6, then won the last five, and then started 1989 and went 11-1 and won the SEC. Or you even look at 1980 where Tennessee finished 4-6, and and then they start the 81 season 0-2 with blowout losses to Georgia and then to USC. You have those games, but then Tennessee ends up fighting back, winning and going to a bowl game. It was the Garden State Bowl, which doesn't even exist, up in the old Meadowland Stadium in December against Wisconsin. It was freezing. I mean, it's awful, that game. But Tennessee still won it. But you just see what can happen when you persevere and just keep fighting and stay the course and follow everything and just don't give up immediately. And again, hats off again to Jared Garantano for the turnaround that he had and this whole team. And again, it's a commendable effort to Jeremy Pruitt and the entire coaching staff for keeping this team on point and finishing the season the way they did, going bowling for the first time in three years, which is great. You look at Everything happening going into championship week now with the rest of college football. Again, we're recording this before the uh, college football playoff rankings have come out. So just real quick, here's what I see as the way it's going to shape up. And we'll see. And of course, we'll break more of this down when the rankings are official with Trey on the Friday show. But I've got Ohio State number one, LSU number two, Clemson three, Georgia four. So that has not changed. All of these teams won over the weekend, but then, of course, Alabama dropping out, they're done. I've got Utah at the five spot, and then behind them, the two big 12 schools, Oklahoma and Baylor. So we're going to have to see where all this is going to shape up with championship week. They, the Pac-12 gets their shot to start with, with Utah versus Oregon. That is going to be it. I think if, if Utah wins that game big, and again, it depends on the rankings, but if Utah wins that game big over a really good Oregon team, then I've got Utah possibly going to be in if Georgia loses or if Clemson loses. Honestly, at this point, unless it's just a collapse of a loss by either LSU or Ohio State in their championship games, I think Ohio State and LSU could be in win or lose 
And then you've got Clemson. I think if Clemson loses to Virginia, I think they're out. Uh, Of course, Dabo's been whining and talking about how everybody's looking for a reason to drop Clemson out. Keep winning. No problem with that. It's the fact that the ACC has been terrible, and that's not your fault. We know that. It's not Clemson's fault that the ACC has been awful. But, it, it again, strength of schedule. We talk about it in basketball all the time and things like this. So you have those things. If Georgia beats LSU, I've got Georgia in. I still have LSU in. I think Wisconsin. Now, if Wisconsin emphatically beats Ohio State, but then I think Wisconsin would have to see what happens with Baylor and Oklahoma. If that game's just kind of a sloppy game and nothing interesting happens there, and then Oregon beats Utah, I think that's the only way you could get a two-loss Wisconsin team in there. So we'll have to see where it all shapes out. Again, Utah gets to set the tone early because they're playing a Pac-12 championship game is on Friday night. Then, of course, you've got Baylor and Oklahoma in a rematch. Georgia-LSU... And then you've got Clemson, Virginia in the ACC title game. And then you've got Ohio State, Wisconsin. Of course, a couple of uh, NCAA coaching changes. Barry Odom has been fired at his alma mater, Missouri. Matt Luke, we mentioned it earlier, has been fired at Ole Miss. Of course, you've also got the Arkansas vacancy is open. All of those teams seem to be trying to woo Lane Kiffin. Of course, uh, Florida Atlantic is playing in the Conference USA Championship game, so we'll have to see where all that shakes out. But it would be great, I think, to have Lane Kiffin back as a head coach in the SEC. I don't know if the front office is excited about that, but it would be cool to have him back uh, on the sidelines as a head coach in the SEC. Meanwhile, you've got Chris Peterson uh, is going to step down as coach of Washington. Again, he's some a guy who probably could stay at Washington for a long, long time. Yes, they had a bad year, especially because Washington, they had Eason transferring over there, the quarter, former quarterback from Georgia, and they had a lot of good things happen there. But just not a great season for them, especially going just 7-5, and five, especially starting the season ranked, I think, 15th in the preseason poll. So we'll have to see. Chris Peterson, of course, did great things at Boise State. We'll see where he ends up. Maybe he's just tired of coaching. It kind of almost like Bob Stoops, just tired of coaching at Oklahoma. We'll see if he gets back into the game, or maybe he's done. Who knows? Uh, I always liked Chris Peterson. We'll see uh, where it all ends up, but best to him. And then, of course, the big news was Rutgers, of course, had fired their coach weeks ago, and then they were trying to bring back Greg Schiano, who had coached there. They had a disagreement, it looks like, on just money and certain things and payouts and whatnot, so he stepped away, but then the students revolted, wanted him back, so now it looks like Greg Schiano is going to be coach at Rutgers. It's just really interesting where Greg Schiano was going to be hired as Tennessee's head coach a few years ago, but the students revolted and didn't want him, ended up not being hired at Tennessee. Meanwhile, then... He uh, is going to not be the head coach at Rutgers. The students revolt, and now he's back at Rutgers, which, again, he's fine at Rutgers. I never wanted him at Tennessee in the first place. The Penn State stuff, I had no, I didn't, had nothing to do with that. That was stroked by people who, under triple hearsay, I just didn't want him anywhere near the Tennessee coaching program because I didn't think he was going to win here at all. So, again, Rutgers, of course, we'll see because now Rutgers is playing in the Big Ten. They're not playing in the Big East anymore when Shiano was there. So we'll see where all that shakes out. 
But my goodness, what a great week it was in college football. And of course, we've got another great week coming up with Championship Week, where Trey and I are going to break all of it down and make our big picks. Moving quickly over to the NFL, what just some great NFL games. They're just great football all weekend long through thanks, all the way from Thanksgiving all the way through Monday night. My goodness, of course, the biggest games, the 49ers and the Ravens going at it in the rain, two of the just best teams in the league right now. Of course, the Ravens kicking the field goal at the end. The guy's not going to miss. The Ravens kicker, he's amazing. He's not missing that one. He's... Just, again, pay him all the money you can. He's the new Vinatieri when it comes to money and making kicks. So all of the hats off to them. The 49ers looking great in defeat. Again, it was in Baltimore. The 49ers, of course, beating the crap out of the Packers the week before. Now they got to play, I think, in New Orleans this week. So it's not getting any easier for San Francisco. But again, a great game there. The Seahawks and the Vikings in a great game. The Vikings trying to rally and get the win. They fall short. So the Seahawks getting a win. The Vikings still, they're there. They're a very good team. I love what the Vikings are doing up in the NFC North, but just could not get the win on the road in a very tough place to play. So we've got all that. The Texans beating the Patriots down on Sunday night. People are questioning what's going on and what's wrong with the Patriots. It's the next in the long list of, oh my God, the Patriots are done. As I've said many times in this podcast, never going to believe the Patriots are done until they're done. So you can keep just checking these things off. They're going to play probably the Texans and the Chiefs and all. They're playing the Chiefs this week, but they're probably going to play these teams again in the playoffs. So who knows? The Browns continue to be disappointing. I mean, you've got fans jumping in to Lake Erie in December because of all of that. You've got Freddie Kitchens wearing a Pittsburgh started it shirt. Which again, players can do that. Coaches just shouldn't do things like that. It was dumb. And the Steelers, of course, pretty much eliminating the Browns, most likely from playoff contention. But speaking of getting back into playoff contention, the Titans have very quietly kept on winning. My goodness, defeating the Colts, scoring, I think, the last 24 points in that game, including a blocked field goal run back for a touchdown. My goodness, the Titans making some noise and probably going to be They've got, I think, the best advantage right now of being the sixth team in the playoffs. The Bills pretty much going to wrap up that that first wild card spot uh, because, again, they're not going to catch the Patriots in the division, I'm very sure. And then the Titans probably going to get that sixth spot. We'll have to see. Of course, we've got a few weeks left to go in the NFL season. But to give you my NFL top five and bottom five, I've got Baltimore back at number one. They're just on a roll right now, and we'll see what happens, of course, as we get late in the year, but I've got them at the number one spot. The Saints, number two, just continue to win. The 49ers have dropped back to number three. Of course, we'll see where all that can transpire as the 49ers and Saints are playing each other this week. The Patriots, I've dropped to number four. They're playing the Chiefs, and then I've got the Packers at number five. Of course, you could have the Vikings there. You could have the Seahawks there. A lot of great teams trying to crack into that top five. But again, Aaron Rodgers, you need to win a game. I'm still going with Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, so I'm not going to doubt those guys until they're out of the league. Meanwhile, the bottom five, I've got the Falcons, who, again, just, ugh, they've been disappointing. The Jets, they're in the bottom five. The Dolphins, who have still won a couple games when you thought they were just going to completely, completely tank. I've got the Bengals at number two. They should be normally number one, but they won this week. They beat the Jets. So they're out of the bottom spot, at least for this week. 
because they won. So congratulations to them. And then I've got the Giants all the way at the bottom right now. Is it the NFC East is just terrible. Someone's going to end up winning the division just by dumb luck. It's probably going to be the Cowboys or the Eagles, but the Redskins at like with three wins, I think are still technically alive to win that division. That's how terrible that division has been. Though, you know what's not terrible? Outlander Media. We're taking over the world. you got to check all of our great stuff out at outlandermedia.net, including, of course, this podcast, Modern Day Gladiators, but you've got Haffle, DLC Respawn, Scared Stupid, Deadbeat Radio, Geeks Inherited to the Earth. They've got an interview with Ed Asner coming up. So it's just great stuff all around. And, of course, wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether it be Spotify, Google, or Apple Podcasts, listen to us wherever you do please again thank you for listening but share us with your friends spread the word you can help us out take over the podcast world even faster and of course the best way you can do that take that extra 30 seconds give us that five-star review leave a comment we want to hear your feedback we love to hear from you again follow me on twitter at michael underscore shibley and of course you can check out all the other great stuff at the Modern Day Gladiators Facebook page and on Instagram where you've got mine and Trey's picks, and we've got all the other great stuff that we've got coming up. And hey, while we're here, and in the spirit of Thanksgiving, it just ended, and of course the holiday season coming up, we got to give quick thanks, of course, to our great sponsors, Joe Shirt at JoeShirt.com. You got an idea for a t-shirt for whatever, your team building, your solo act, whatever. They can help you and come up with great, just soft, wonderful shirts to wear. They're amazing. Love Joe Shirt. And again, check them out at JoeShirt.com. Joe Shirt Deluxe. They can put everything on a mug or a banner, whatever you have an idea. They can help you with that. They've been doing this for 30 years. Shipping is free if you're local here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Of course, we've got to thank Otherworldly Coffee. You want coffee cocaine? You want just some of the best coffee that some of these guys here at Outlander have had? Check them out, otherworldlycoffee.com. Check out that Bigfoot blend or the Mothman blend, the Dogman blend, any of them. They're amazing. If you use the code OUTLANDER with all caps, you're going to get 20% off your order. And, of course, Black Cat's Curiosities and Oddities up in Oneida, Tennessee. All the great stuff that they've got up there, that cool and eclectic store. It's wonderful to have all of them. Thank you guys again so much for sponsoring us here at Modern Day Gladiators and at Outlander Media at outlandermedia.net. We are going to take a quick break here, but we'll be back with shibbles and bits and everything going on in the world of professional wrestling. You're listening to Modern Day Gladiators on the Outlander Media Network. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You hear the music. You know it's time for Shibbles and Bits. My, I have missed this music. Good to hear it. As we just continue to run down everything else going on in the world of sports, we start, of course, with my beloved Vols on the hardwood. It was an up-and-down weekend for the men's basketball team for Tennessee. Uh, started. They're playing in the Emerald Coast uh, Classic down there in Niceville, Florida. And uh, Tennessee playing a Florida State team that's right around the top 25. Tennessee had 21 turnovers, way too many, and dropped their first game in the Coast Classic 
uh, to Florida State, 60-57. to Tennessee was able to close the gap, but just never able to, to do much. Again, when you turn the ball over 21 times, you're most likely not going to win that game, no matter who you're playing. So Tennessee loses that one. They play a ranked VCU team who lost to Purdue in the first round of the Emerald Coast Classic. The game was on at the exact same time that the Tennessee Vanderbilt game was on. The game wasn't even on TV. It was on like the Emerald Coast Classic sh- like webpage was pretty much where you could watch it. And hey, Lamonte Turner, for all the struggles he has had so far this season, when you still need a big shot at the end of the game, you go to Lamonte Turner. And that's what they did. They tossed the ball to him with 1.7 seconds left. He hits the three-pointer at the buzzer for Tennessee to get the win over VCU 72-69. That's just what Lamonte Turner does. He hits them. Despite the fact that VCU's Durante Jenkins hit a three with five seconds left to have a 13-point second-half rally to tie the game, Tennessee was still able to get the win at the end, and hey, get a win over a ranked team and always a solid mid-major program, the VCU Rams. So Tennessee, you know, again, first loss of the season. They dropped from 17th in the AP poll down to 21, but hey, it doesn't get much easier for Tennessee. Yeah, they're playing a Florida A&M team coming up uh, tomorrow as of this recording. And Florida A&M has not won a game all season. But then, next week, as they take a break for then exams, 10 days later, they play Memphis at home and then against Cincinnati on December 18th. So you've got two big, big games here in the non-conference slate. And you've got Wisconsin a little bit later. So again, big game still for Tennessee. Number one, Kansas, of course, in the SEC uh, Big 12 thing that they play right in the middle of conference play. So you've got a lot to play for here if you're Tennessee. And again, you want to win as many of these games as you can because conference play is not going to be easy. And the more you win, the better your resume looks for the NCAA tournament come the end of the year. Meanwhile, in the rest of college basketball, my goodness, Duke losing to Stephen F. Austin. What a great shot that was. That drops Duke out of the number one spot, Michigan State, losing early in the Maui Invitational. But the big mover was Michigan. I mean, Juwan Howard has got them playing well to start the season. They win the Battle for Atlantis tournament that you had, beating number six, North Carolina, and also beating Gonzaga in that one. So, you know, great things there for Michigan, moving from unranked all the way up to number four. Of course, we'll see what they're really made of as they're facing new number one Louisville coming up this week. So we'll see where they go from there. Meanwhile, the Lady Vols, they're up to 7-0 on the season. They moved up to 17th in the women's rankings, defeating Air Force 81-54. Davis and Burrell both had 18 points for the Lady Vols. They've got an interesting slate coming up. Um, They've got Texas on Sunday the 8th. Uh, And then they've got Colorado State on the 11th, but then on the 18th, they've got number one Stanford. Stanford, again, moving up to the number one spot, I think for the first time in like seven years for the the ladies of Stanford, their women's basketball team, as both Oregon and Baylor both lost on Saturday. First time that's happened, I think in 25 years, uh, to Louisville and South Carolina, respectively. So you have all of that happening. Speaking of something that hasn't happened in like 25 years, uh, back into college football real quick, Division Three power, Mount Union. There's certain things in life, as I say a lot of times, death, taxes, and something else. This is death, taxes, and Mount Union playing for a Division Three national championship. 
That's not going to happen this year as Mountain Union loses, the Purple Raiders losing in the second round, the first time they've gone out this early in the Division Three playoffs since 1994 against North Central. They've played in 21 national championship games since 1994, winning 13 of them. So again, the Purple Raiders, just one of the greatest powers in Division III football, but they are not going to be doing that and playing in that Stag Bowl this year, unfortunately. Moving on to the other type of football, a little soccer here as we go through. Uh, the FIFA Balloon d'Or, the Golden Balls, were awarded for the Players of the Year in women's soccer. It goes to Donald Trump's favorite soccer player of all time, Megan Rapino, uh, winning, of course, with that dominant Women's World Cup. You couldn't see her not winning that one. Just, again, an amazing summer that Megan Rapino had. And meanwhile, on the men's side, it goes to Lionel Messi for the sixth time. He is now has more than Cristiano Ronaldo, who has five. Uh, again, it's just amazing for Lionel Messi. 46 goals in all competition. Uh, second was actually Liverpool defender Virgil van Dijk, who of course was very instrumental in getting Liverpool to win the Champions League. So we have all of that. Meanwhile, back into the NFL, this has been an interesting story. Of course, we've talked about how much more sports gambling has been a part of of the national conversation the last couple of years after the Supreme Court decision. Well, Arizona Cardinals defensive back, um, he was suspended for betting on NFL games. So that's something, again, and again, this is not like a Pete Rose thing. This, you know, it's nothing like that. Everybody, of course, is going to start going crazy with worrying about all of this stuff. And it's like, it's, it's okay. This is just pretty much a one-time thing really when you look at it. And of course, the NFL covered all of it. But Josh Shaw, again, the defensive back for the Arizona Cardinals. Again, a couple of things too. They did the investigation, also found out that no games were compromised and no one in the Cardinals was aware of anything that he was doing. The guy's been on injured reserve all season since August 25th, so he hasn't played. He's barely been in contact with the Cardinals for much of this. And he's been suspended at least even through next season, it looks like, with the gambling as they look for through all of this. I think he bet on one parlay bet with the Cardinals, which he ended up losing anyway. So no one was involved in this. And again, they did the great investigation, so it's fine. Don't start lighting your torches and everything causing for gambling to cause an issue. This is nothing. Yes, it's something because a player was betting on games, but this isn't Pete Rose or anything like this. This wasn't Paul Horning or any of that. So just slow your roll. It's fine. Moving on. One good note as we wrap up shibbles and bits here. Always love talking about this. Just good thing. Always love doing this. Roger Federer, one of the greatest tennis players of all time. Uh, of course, one of the best athletes in the entire country of Switzerland. Um, his, Roger Federer's face is going to be minted on uh, some Swiss franc coins. Uh, they're going to be commemorative coins that are coming out this year and next year. There's going to be a 20 franc silver coin that's coming out this year with his face on it and him throwing a backhand and all those things. And then in 2020, there's going to be a 50 franc gold commemorative coin. Uh, it's the first time they've ever done this for a living person, which, hey, is great. And what better person than Roger Federer to have that? I mean, it's, it's amazing to see, again, 20 time Grand Slam champion, and the government even said he's the 
probably the best individual sportsman that Swiss or Switzerland has ever had. And he's just a wonderful ambassador for Switzerland anyway. I mean, when you think about Switzerland, what do you got? You got that they're neutral, you got the army knife, you got the cheese, you got the chocolate, you got the banking, and you got Roger Federer. That's like the things you think of when you talk about Switzerland. So, uh, again, the, the, the good things about Switzerland. We could go into some other stuff, but that's not for this podcast. Uh, so... Anyway, hats off to Roger Federer, one of just the great gentlemen and wonderful just overall human beings in all of sports, and a great winner as well. Moving on, as we wrap up Shibbles and Bits, thank you guys for listening. Into the world of wrestling, not a whole lot really to talk about uh, the past couple of weeks. Yeah, we had Survivor Series, which was huge. Uh, NXT ends up winning it, which again, they're doing a lot of that. Of course, you got a lot of great talent down there in NXT. Part of that reason, though, is, of course, Vince wants NXT to look strong because, of course, they're going head-to-head on Wednesday nights with AEW. But uh, now we're just moving on to TLC. And again, I, I just hate these just branded things like Hell in the Cell, the gimmick pay-per-views like Hell in the Cell and TLC where just because that's where it is on the calendar, we have to have things that happen around that time. Not organically, it's just that it has to happen. I just wish, I really wish that they wouldn't even have a pay-per-view in December. Just have like a Starcade event like they had where it's more than just a house show. Just have something on the network. It doesn't even have to be that big. Or have, like they do in New Japan, where you've got like a, a, a tag team, the tag team league, just have, of course, a lot of tag teams, and then some maybe even thrown together, and then they just compete in a round-robin tournament. It would just be interesting. Nothing too dangerous is probably going to happen. And then the winners get a, a title shot at the Royal Rumble or something. You don't need to have all this. You've got, of course, Seth Rollins, it looks like, becoming a heel, which will probably work at this point. I mean, the man beat Brock Lesnar twice in a calendar year, and he still wasn't fully over to carry everything. So... We'll just have to see where all that goes. My MVP, though, of course, of the whole Survivor Series weekend and everything was Adam Cole, baby. So, yes, his team was on the losing side of War Games, but he came back the next night and beat Pete Dunne to defend his NXT championship after being dropped off on an air raid crash through a table. My goodness, what an amazing thing that was. So, you have all of that. Adam Cole, baby. It's great. I love it. Speaking of things I love, Chris Jericho continuing to just be awesome in AEW. You've got the Inner Circle, which, by the way, the Inner Circle has been together, what, for a couple of months now? If this was in the WWE, they would all have broken up at this point and been feuding with each other because Vince has a short attention span, but that's not the case. The Inner Circle going strong as Jericho defends his AEW uh, World Championship against Scorpio Sky on the last show they had before Thanksgiving. Uh, they had... A, a big old party where Chris Jericho's dad, of course, wearing his New York J- Rangers uh, jersey, came out. He was a, f- a former hockey player and uh, trashing the Blackhawks because the 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 event was in Chicago. So it was just all good fun. And, of course, the big thing, Jericho having a little bit of the bubbly, talking about his champagne. They've actually worked it out, a deal. So Chris Jericho's a little bit of the bubbly champagne is available. You can go online and order it. I think they sold 11,000 bottles when it was available for pre-order. You get two bottles for 46 bucks. Uh, it's great. I love the fact that they're able to make money off something like that. Just a, a, a thing he said in a, in, a, in a promo and all that. 
it was just amazing to see. So hats off to Chris Jericho for completely reeking of awesomeness and all of that. One of my wrestlers of the year by far with what he's been able to do with AEW and everything there. So, of course, uh, thank you guys for listening. That's going to do it for this episode of Modern Day Gladiators. Of course, we'll be back on Friday, myself and Trey Pack, breaking down all the stuff happening with Championship Week and where the Vols are going to possibly go bowling and everything. So thank you guys as always for listening. And again, please like, subscribe, share, five-star review this podcast. If you just take 30 seconds and give us it wherever you listen to the podcast, we would appreciate it. And share it with your friends. Say, hey, these guys know what they're doing. They're smart. They're bringing a different perspective on things. We love to hear from that, and we would love if you can share it uh, with your friends and family. But again, thank you guys. Until next time, as always, too sweet. Love you. See you next time.